we're talking about a shaking and an awakening. This is uh, lesson number four. I started the year with this series. I usually teach in series because uh, uh, I just think that way. I think just that way, and so God uses me. One of the I'm a pastor slash teacher, and one of the uh, ministry offices I stand in is the office of a teacher, and it's the ability just to make the Word of God very plain and very understandable. So I want to just keep uh, going there. And uh, today, uh, again, a shaking and an awakening. Today, I want to talk about refusing the delusions of the day. So we'll catch up. My notes are online. I usually don't uh, share everything in the notes. And, notes. and today, I'm gonna, they're going to be a bit discombobulated if you just look at the notes. Because I'm going to skip around, but in my notes, it's not the way it is on the notes online. So just be aware. Uh, but it's all there, and probably more than I'm going to say is uh, online as well. So the notes are there. Also, want to encourage you. You can go to our website, or I have a personal. Um, I have a personal website, MitchHorton.com. I, I write a blog most days, and then also Tuesdays and Thursdays, podcast day, and so I do a podcast that you can listen to and you commute or whatever on pertinent subjects, Bible topics. Right now, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit and His and how he ministers to us in life, and uh, I think you'll get something out of that. So that's all available, so I encourage you to check that out. First Chronicles 12.32 has been in my heart. This is not in the notes. It's not online, but First Chronicles 12 uh, is the time in Israel uh, that Saul was chasing David and trying to kill him, you know, and, and then David got a ragtag group of men who were pretty good men, and uh, he got them together, and he was running from Saul. He didn't want to hurt Saul, and he didn't want Saul to, he didn't want Saul to hurt him. So, but but uh, Israel was in a transition. The prophet Samuel had anointed David as king in the background, and uh, and Saul uh, had been rejected by God. So they were in a. Tra- I'm just saying that Israel was in a great transition from Saul's kingdom to to King David. And, and, um, and, and just right in the middle of there, here's this quote. I love this quote because it's appropriate to the day we're living in today just before Jesus returns. It says, of the sons of Issachar, it's talking about all the people that were helping David, of the sons of Issachar who had, watch this, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Isn't that good? And it talks about their chiefs were 200, their brethren were at their command, but but they were a group of people who had understanding concerning the times that they would know what Israel ought to do during a time of calamitous change, of real challenge and uncertainty. Don't we live that way today? So I've been praying, God, give us the spirit of Issachar's race. Give us the attitude that this Issachar's race had in, in Bible times, who had understanding. Lord, help us to understand where we're living and what's going on. Give us the bird's eye view of what's happening so we can see where we are in the fight and what we need to do, right? And so, uh, and so in this series, we're trying to help that happen to some degree. Hebrews 12 uh, mentions the fact that everything that there'll be coming a time that everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that only unshakable things will remain. There it is on the screen, Hebrews 12, 26, 27. Right now we're in a time of shaking. And people don't realize, and I've shared this the last three weeks, but the time that Jesus returns is not a nice little sweet time where everything's nice and wonderful. No, everything's challenged. Everything's changing. You know, don't forget that God created this this earth to be an environment, to, to a, a habitat for man. And God's original design was to come down and fellowship with us. He is the Father, and He wanted us to be His family. Sin messed that thing up, and Satan got in there and uh, and and got into creation by getting Adam and Eve to disobey God, obey Him, and so that the authority that God had given 
uh, Adam and Eve was uh, by default transferred to Satan, who, Jesus, who uh, Paul said is the God of this age. Jesus called him the prince of this world. And then the scriptures mentioned in Ephesians 6, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places are categories of demonic power under the control of Satan himself who have their hand on this earth. You wonder why bad things are happening? You wonder why you're challenged financially, why you're challenged physically, why you're challenged mentally, why you're challenged relationally? It's because the God of this age is loose and he's seeking to control. He actually wants, he's so deceived he thinks he can take over the world. In fact, he wanted God's job in heaven and since God kicked him out of heaven, he said, well, I'll just take over this earth that he gave to man. And God's going to have to kick him off the earth as well. Isn't that something? So, so that's a calamitous time. That's a time of change. And that's the time it feels like, it looks like, scripturally speaking, if you know the Bible that we're entering into. So I'm just trying to give us a, just give us a baseline of, of understanding on what we're dealing with and why. If you understand what you're dealing with, how many know you can go through it? But if you don't have a clue as to what you're doing, if you don't know your enemy and his tactics, you're at a disadvantage. Is that right? And so we want to know what's going on. And that's what's happening. So the whole, you know, I did, a, again, a series. I encourage you to go back on our website. I think about it quite a bit because I did a lot of studying on the book of Revelation, 38 lessons. And in that, if you go to read the whole book of Revelation, it's all about, it's all about God, come, Jesus coming back to earth to rid the earth of all of the malevolent forces that took it over after Adam and Eve sin, uh, remove the curse, take Satan, uh, all of the people that messed with him, throw them into this place called uh, the lake of fire. And then there is once again, as it was before Adam and Eve sinned, the father and his family. Isn't that awesome? So, so there's going to be a new heavens and new earth wherein dwells righteousness. And if you know Jesus, you're going to be there. And you know, I just might come and have a conversation with you in, ter- in eternity. Wouldn't that be cool? You remember sitting over there at Victor Church and we've been preaching the word, but look at where we are now. Look at all this grand stuff that's around us. You ever think that way? A hundred years from now, we'll be experiencing it. What about you? You going to be with us? So we've been talking about that. We took a Sunday, we talked about covenant and we talked about the fact that God has made a covenant with Abraham that actually affects us. God's covenants are eternal. And God has made an eternal covenant with Abraham and his children. He promised to provide for them, take care of them, protect them, oversee them, and everything they need, God said, I will be your supply. How many know if you know Jesus, you fit that category? Is that awesome? There ought to be more than four saying amen. I mean, if I was you, I'd get up and dance a little bit. So uh, then last week we started talking about um, uh, some things that we're dealing with today. I've got four I've got four points to make about this and uh, started talking about last week, we are not created, number one, we're not created to live life without God's oversight. How many know that's true? And uh, just the one thing I do want to mention there, I talked about the Holy Spirit's work in our life. We have an anointing from the Holy One and we know all things, 1 John 2 says, as many as are led or guided by the Holy Spirit, they're the sons of God. So when we're born again, how many know God places the Holy Spirit in us? And one of his jobs is to point us in the right direction and keep us from being deceived and get us to heaven, right? So we talked about that at fair length, but I, I just want to encourage one other thing, uh, a caveat of that point is the Holy Spirit will always lead you to truth. And today... You know, that's probably one of the most important things that we'll understand about the Holy Spirit is He always leads us to truth. There is such ultimate deception in the world right now. It's uncanny. How many hear me? 
In fact, there's such deception that people don't even realize they're deceived. So we've been talking about that, Hebrews 4.12. But if you'll get the word inside of you, see, you've got a counter, you've got, a, you've got an intuitive sense for the counterintuitive things around you. If you get the word inside of you, it's a counterbalance for all the deceptions. Hebrews 4, J.B. Phillips translation in verse 12, for the word that God speaks is alive and active. Everybody say alive and active. That is opposite of dead. It cuts more keenly than any two-edged sword. Now, I've got a sword in my office somebody gave me from a birthday a few years ago, and it's actually a Spanish officer's sword from the Spanish-American War, and uh, it's got two edges to it. It's in a cupboard, so you can't get to it. Clabbered, is that what you call it? You got to take it out. Uh, two-edged sword, it strikes through the place where soul and spirit meet. To the innermost intimacies of a man's being, it exposes the very thoughts and motives of a man's heart. No creature has any cover, verse 13 says, from the sight of God. Everything lies naked and exposed before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You know that? You know, if you want to put that on shoe leather, that means, uh, that means everything we face in life, every challenge, every opposition, everything we're dealing with in our culture, in our world, whether it's relational, circumstantial, whether it's, uh, whether it's financial, whether it's uh, health-wise, everything we deal with, God knows and understands. So think of it, when you put the Word of God in you, you're putting a living substance inside of you. Woo-hoo! Is that good? You know, the foods we eat ought to be alive because we're alive, right? And so this Daniel fast, you're eating alive food. So what if you eat something that's more alive than live food, Daniel fast food? You, you, when you ingest the word, you've got something in and of itself contains life. In and of itself contains an ability to discern. So you've got a, a discerner that grows inside of you and the word of God rises up in you. And that's what John said. You don't need anybody to teach you or show you right from wrong because that same anointing teaches you, 1 John 2, 27. That Holy Spirit, he's alive inside you. And when you put the word inside of you, it activates the spirit of God. So you hear something, you're going somewhere and, 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 and inside you, he says, whoa, 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 that's not exactly the way it is. They're misrepresenting the facts. How many hear me? Wow. Uh, so today, it's important to know the Word above everything. When you wor build the Word up inside of you, uh, it creates a discernment inside of you. So you say, well, well, Pastor, what I do, first thing is ask for a hunger for the Word. Just like I talked about as we started the service, Jesus said, man will not live by bread alone when the enemy came to tempt him, Matthew 4.4. 4 but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know how I interpret that? The same way that physical food gives me physical energy and strength. Man shall not live by bread alone. What does my food do? It gives me physical ability uh, to, to face life and go through the things I, I need. It gives me the calories to be able to, to, to do what I need to do today, to be active and such. Um, man shall not live by bread alone, but, Jesus said, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So here's a good way to, uh, to interpret it. The same way that food feeds my body and gives me physical energy, the word of God feeds my spirit. Huh? 2 Corinthians 4 says, though the outward man perishes, yet the inward man is renewed day by day, right? 
So there's an inward. So, so uh, uh, boy, I got all these thoughts. They said, it's just amazing how this works. It just comes to me. There's a book called Christ the Healer, F.F. Bosworth. He made this comment about the Word of God, about Matthew 4, 4. He said, many Christians feed their bodies three hot meals a day and their spirits one cold snack a week. Now, that's make you think, won't it? See, stuff like that slaps your jaw and say, what you doing? What you doing with yourself? You eating more food than you are word? If you're eating more food than you are word, then you're too big on the outside, not big enough on the inside. That didn't come out right, did it? (laughs) Oh, yeah. But you get the point, don't you? Smith Wigglesworth, who was an English evangelist who died in 1947, who had 23 people raised from the dead under his ministry, said, I'm 10,000 times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. You know, there's little foo-foo dogs, the little tiny ones, chihuahuas and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Man, those dudes, and that, now do they have an ego or what? They come up to a dog 50 times bigger than him. Why? Because they got something inside, right? When the enemy comes to you, he needs to see the bark you got. It's bigger than anything on the outside. Yes or no? So how big are you inside? You should be bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. And that comes by the word, Job 23, 12. I've not departed from the commandments of his lips. I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Y'all, that is so good. I'm going to read that one again. That's so good. I have not departed from the commandments of his lips, Job said. He was going through an utter trial in every way. He lost his family, lost his wife, lost his children, lost his wealth, lost his health. I've not departed from the commandments of his lips. I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. That's probably not in my notes. I added it yesterday. I didn't go add it. Sorry, guys. Um, you know, years ago, let me just say this in passing. I'm going to go through this fairly quickly. Um, I started a habit. Oh, my, this is, I can't even remember when I started this habit. Probably three decades ago, three, four. Over three decades ago, I started a habit. Um, have you ever had a time in life that you didn't trust what people said? Did you know if you can't trust what people say, it, it'll, it'll, uh, it, it'll, it'll be counterintuitive and you'll have a hard time trusting what God says. And then if you have a habit of saying things and not doing them, you're ingraining subconsciously um, a thought process where you don't even believe your own words. So when you read something, you're not sure you believe that either. You ever thought about that? So just, I don't have time to go into these details of this, but I'll just tell you the way I was raised. I had one, I had a problem believing people because I got, I, I got disappointed so many times. And when I came to the word, see that same, that same mindset of, well, is that really so? Is that, are you really going to do it? I had so many people disappoint me so many times that say they'd do something and it became a bitter root in me and I didn't believe people's words. I say, yeah, I believe it when I see it. And I, I, I got a whole, it's a whole message if I go there. But the way I counteracted that was, if God is true, if the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, and if the Bible is 100% true, then I've got to convince myself on the inside that every single thing he says is more real than anything I hear right now. 
So I created a habit over three decades ago, and I'm going to go through that habit right now. Here it goes. You ready for this? And in fact, I did it this morning. I was kneeling at my little favorite chair upstairs, getting ready to preach today. And among other things that I mentioned to the Lord, I said, Lord, can I remind me of what you said? Numbers 23, 19, you said, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and will he not do it? Has he spoken and will he not make it good? If you said it, you're going to bring it to pass. Thank you, sir, for who you are. Psalm 89, 34, my covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that is going out of my lips. If God said it, he's going to do it. Psalm 119, 89, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven that word settled means fixed established it's not going anywhere just like the sun rises in the east and sets in the west every day whether you can see it or not God's word is eternal that moon's going to rise that moon's going to go through phases God's word is more sure than the rising and setting of the sun and and more sure than the phases of the moon my friends if God said it he's going to do it right Woo. forever oh lord your word is settled in heaven that means if God said it He's going to do it, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. This past uh, May, I, uh, I got two big old pine trees in my front yard, one on one side, one on the other, and I made this pretty little place to plant flowers, put some rock around it and all in the exterior. And uh, anyway, I, 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 I groomed it and I planted some uh, vincas. Y'all like vincas? All kinds of colors. And every day I'd water it. I mean, every day, twice a day. Well, once a day I had to water those flowers. Every day. I don't care. Every day. That's 9 o'clock at night. I'm watering in flowers, you know. Or, so it's, uh, or it might be sometimes because I had a late day, 10 o'clock. I'm out there watering those daggum flowers. You got to have water. But, you know, they were really pretty and they grew. And, you know, everybody liked them. You drive by my house. I said, that's real pretty. And I like to drive them and drive away. That's real pretty. But, you know, those dudes died in October. Yeah. You come to first frost, they're done, right? And, I, and then I had to go pull them all up, stick them in the bag, and they took them away. And I'm going to plant them again in May. But, you know, <laughs> the grass withers. The flower fades. But God's word never changes. The word of our God will stand forever. You can take it. It's more sure than the money you got in the bank. Yes or no? My. And then Isaiah 55, now uh, to start this, Verse 10 says, for as the rain comes down and snow from heaven and does not return but waters the earth that it may make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall, verse 11, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return to me void. It will accomplish that which I please and prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. If God said it, he's going to bring it to pass. So think about if you have that mindset and you put your life, you set your life on the word, guess what? Through thick and thin, you're going to make it through. If you base your life on man's word, you may fail. If you base your life on the news broadcasts and what they say, they may be lying to you. But if you base your life on what God says in his word, you'll come through every single thing. You'll navigate well. Does that make sense? That's why I love the word, Jeremiah 1.12. This is amplified New Testament. This is etched inside of me. The Lord said to me, you've well seen, for I'm alert and active. Amplified brings it out really well. Watching over my word to perform it. So if I'll act on God's word in my life, he's looking at his word, saying, I'm going to bring that to pass in your life. I'm going to bring that to pass. I'm going to bring that to pass. 
So you know what I try to do? In my life with my words, I want to say what God says about me. Because if he hears me saying his word, he's going to say, angels of God, bring that to pass in Mitch's life. Mitch says he's blessed, make sure he's blessed. Mitch says he's healthy, make sure he's healthy. Right? Mitch has good relationships, make sure things work out. Give him wisdom, right? It's just amazing, huh? huh? And then Jesus said, Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away. But you got to have a big butt if you're going to make it in life. That sounded bad. Heaven and earth will pass away, but, everybody say, but, my words will not pass away. Isn't that awesome? That means things are going to change. God's word never passes away. It literally, heaven and earth will pass away. I did a big study on Revelation 21 and 22. There's going to be a new heavens and new earth wherein dwells righteousness. The current earth we're on is going to be burned up with fire. And the elements, the things we make things with, they're all going to burn up. That pretty car you shine up, I keep mine shiny, it's going to burn up. That house you love, it's going to burn up. Huh? Those things you plant, they're going to burn up. Only thing that's not going to burn up is God's word. Right? So you see, if you base your life, you pattern your life on the word, then regardless of what comes and goes, regardless of the stages of life you're in, regardless of what happens in the culture of the day, regardless, you know, you're going to make it through life, right? So, so the number one thing is keep ourselves full of the word of God. We're not designed to live by ourselves. We need somebody to lead us and guide us. And if you're haughty enough to think you can do it on your own, we're going to stand by and watch you fail. Did you just hear that? Well, I ain't failed yet. Well, just keep trucking. If you, if you do it on your own, sooner or later, you're going to hit a wall. What you going to do? You're going to need God. Yes or no? Second thing, and I mentioned this last week, be aware of the deceptions of the day. This is a day of tremendous deception, and the majority of people are not aware that they're deceived. In fact, deceived people don't even know they're deceived usually. Yes or no? Mm. Uh, and I mentioned this, and I don't want to spend much time on this at all because I want to get to point three today. First Peter, uh, Timothy 4, 1 and 2, Passion Translation, the Holy Spirit has explicitly revealed. At the end of this age, that could be today very easily, many will depart from the true faith one after another, devoting themselves to spirits of deception and to following demon-inspired revelations and theories. Now, why would someone depart from the true faith one after another? Why would a person devote themselves to spirits of deception? Why would, how does that work? How, how does that happen? Well, if a person would devote themselves to deception, that means they don't have anything inside to counteract it. Right? Hmm. Hypocritical liars will deceive many in their consciences and won't bother them at all. That's, that's where we are right now. And I mentioned last week, it's in the notes today. I actually have a hyperlink in the notes. I mentioned this, uh, this term I came across, and I've come across it several times, fifth-generation warfare. You think about warfare, it's not guns, knives, it's not bombs and tanks, it's not, it's not machine guns and, and hand fighting, hand combat. No, this is a mental thing. Fifth-generation warfare is convincing people of what you want them to think and believe in such a way that they don't even know you're doing it. Now, that is happening today. How many hear me? I've got some quotes on that, and I'm not going to go. There's a hyperlink of an article by Robert Malone. He's a doctor 
that was really interesting. And there it is. You can, uh, you can, you can scan that if you, if you want to. But I would encourage you to read that because what he said, I read that off. I said, you know, he's, he's absolutely, that's absolutely uh, correct. We're living in a, a time of great deception. I mentioned that in detail last week, so I'm not going back there. But today, I want to I wanna mention the, the twin brother of deception, which is delusion. Everybody say delusion. Now, I'm going to say some stuff today. And I want you to give me permission to say things that nobody will say publicly because they don't want people to fuss at them and because they don't want to be cut off from their peers and friends and they don't want to be made a laughing stock. So can I say some things that need to be said? Because no long, no, not only are we living in a dis, this time of great deception, but now the thing that really disturbs me, I got to tell you as a pastor and as a person, I wouldn't call myself a theologian, but I read this Bible a lot, and I've studied a lot of it. I looked up the Hebrews, the Greek words. I mean, I'm, I've, wow, a lot. And I'm telling, it's, it's a delusion now is beginning to take hold, and I've never seen this in my life. Not like this. Not like this. So uh, the reason this bothers me, another characteristic of the days just prior to Jesus' return is delusion. In fact, one of the characteristics, listen, of the Antichrist, nobody in our culture will call the world leader the globalist that rises up. They will not call him Antichrist. Only the Bible uses that term in the book of 1 John. You understand that? But if I say that, you know what I mean. It's a leader that rises up, the so, um, in fact, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, this is uh, New King James, the com- verse 9, the coming of the lawless one, that's the Antichrist, is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, lying wonders, power, signs, lying wonders, hmm. with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Now, how were people susceptible to, uh, to be overcome by the um, thought patterns that are in league with a one-world global ideology or a lawless ideology or, for a believer, the Antichrist. How could a person become susceptible to that? Because they did not receive the love of the truth. So if you, if you just listen to me and that's the extent of your Bible stuff, you're going to be deceived. And probably you will be deluded. Now, these are some things, can I say, this is not fun to say. Most believers, I don't even like to say it, may be deluded by the Antichrist and take the mark of the beast. You say, I'd never do that. Well, well, let's find out if you will. You ready for this? Are you sure? delusion see now let me finish what i was saying and for this reason god will send them so the people that did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved for this reason god will send them or allow to be sent strong delusion everybody say delusion that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness so one of the signs the antichrist will come up with is delusion so it's not just deception. Deception is, you know, you, you put a measure of truth out, 
But then along all around that truth is all kind of things that are not true. Now, that's deception. Deception is not everything you hear is wrong. No, no, some of it's really good. That's right. Oh, that's right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Then you make a statement that's not true. So that a person will receive not only the thing that is true, but the things that, that's not true. Right? That's deception, right? Wow. But delusion goes a step further. Three points to it. Let me see if I can get through it fairly quickly here. Number one. The first point to delusion is, y- y'all, y- y'all going to let me say some stuff, right? I don't know. How, how many could say I won't be mad at you? A quarter, less than a quarter raised their hands. I must say it. So number one, delusion is an erroneous belief that is held in the face of evidence to the contrary. That is one of the definitions of delusion. Let me say it again. An erroneous belief. That means a belief that is not true. It's erroneous. That means it's not even commonsensical. You get it? An erroneous belief that is held in the face of evidence to the contrary. Science says it's not even so. Do you get that? Hmm? When what you hear is known to be wrong, but nobody will acknowledge that it's wrong, that is delusion. Let me say that again. I got to slow down. I was planning on getting through all this, but if I don't, it's okay. When what you hear is known to be wrong, but nobody acknowledges it's wrong, that is delusion. How many hear me? You know, so you got a dysfunctional home. I've counseled a lot in my ministry since 1981. So you got to do, what is a dysfunctional home? Well, what is a functional home? Well, the husband does what he's supposed to do. The father does what he's supposed to do. The wife does what she's supposed to do. The mother does what she's supposed to do, you know. And then the children, they have their role to play and everybody's doing their stuff. The husband should be the main primary breadwinner. Boy, that went over so low, what? The husband, the man is supposed to be the provider for his family. If you're slouching off because your wife got you a good job, dude, you are wrong. That is dysfunction. (laughs) Got it? So anyway, dysfunction is when things are allowed in the home, but nobody will talk about them. You know how many married couples I've talked to? Nobody will talk about the white elephant in the corner of the room. Oh, it's there. Everybody feels the tension. But nobody's willing to do anything about the tension. That's dysfunction. You might be sitting here and you say, well, well, my God, that's my home. I have a dysfunctional home. Well, the only way you're going to change that is somebody confront it, front it lovingly with truth. So if you've got an alcoholic that's spending all the money on gambling because he's drunk, and they can't pay their rent or their house payment or their car payment, or you run out of groceries because you run out of money and because he's spending all the money, but nobody's willing to say anything about it. Dude, you got some dysfunction going on. Yes or no? Now I'm going to give you another example. Y'all love me, right? This is huge dysfunction. I just want you to know this is a delusion in our culture. And, and see, there's a scheme behind The scheme behind it is to get you accustomed to doing what you know is impractical and wrong, but you're going to do it anyway because somebody tells you to. Y'all love me, right? All right, if you promise to listen and not be aggravated and walk out, raise your hand. 
If you're listening on the podcast, I'll just put a mask on. Let me, first of all, put a disclaimer out. If you like to wear masks, I can't get it off now. Here. If you like to wear masks, I'm fine with you wearing a mask all day long and to bed if you want to. It's okay with me. I Really, it doesn't bother me at all. It doesn't bother me. Is that okay? So if you come to church with a mask on, Pastor Miss is going to smile at you, love you. Is that okay? Because you believe in the mask. Now, here's the facts. Now, see, my temperament is I check out everything. That's what I do. Uh, one reason is, well, a part of it's my personality. The other part is Holy Spirit lives in me. Now, here's what I found out. The mask, here's what they found out. Uh, the holes in the mask. Talk, let's talk about a micron. Everybody say a micron. So It's a unit of measure. A micron, uh, do you know how big an inch is? Make an inch with your finger. What you think? That's an inch, right? Now, now one twenty-five thousandth of that. Is that small? That's one micron, right? Okay, the holes in the masks, you know, the, one, the blue ones they give out that I saw videos where they're making them in China and they have them on the floor. I won't even go there. The holes in that mask, for instance, are 60 to 80 microns because scientists measured them. I read several articles that aren't even uh, uh, joined to each other. Different people have done tests on them. Scientists, 60 to 80 microns. I think it's 60 to maybe 84. Well, the coronavirus, guess how big it is? Four to five microns. Question. Will four to five microns go through a hole the 60 to 84 microns? Yes or no? Question. Does that really protect me from corona? If I had it, does it protect somebody around me? Then why on God's green earth are we forced to do that? What? She said control. Uh, question. Delusion, an erroneous belief that is held in the face of evidence to the contrary. Is that delusion? Did people lose their, okay, uh, oh, oh, well, well so to, uh, to ride on an airplane, now you don't have to now, but for a long time, you got to do that or you're not getting on the plane. Yes or no? To go to certain places of business, if you're going to get in there, you're going to put that on. Or you're not going in there. Is that true? So when we do those kinds of things, yes or no, you're becoming accustomed to doing things you know do no good. But to get what you want, you've got to do it. So you're accustomed to acquiescing to delusion. Yes or no? Huh? So here's another question. Is Is there a scheme behind that? He said, well, pastor, uh, uh, surgeons wear masks. Yeah, you know why they're wearing masks? I searched this one out too. From the lips of a surgeon himself. He said, well, you know, if I'm coughing and I opened up a body, I don't want that, that spittle getting down into the, to the wound. 
Or if I happen to sneeze, I don't want to get in the wind, right? So, so, so the droplets, it keeps the, but, but see, it doesn't keep a virus away. Huh? You know, if you've ever done any paint, I had a painting business 30 years ago. You know, if you go and do painting and you got the sprayer, guess what apparatus you have to have? It won't be that. You got to have something so that little paint doesn't get into your lungs. Otherwise, you're going to get some really bad ravaging stuff going on with your lungs, right? See, see, that, that's an example. How many hear me? Uh, can I go a step further? An erroneous belief that is held in the face of evidence to the contrary. Again, I want you to, I just want you to understand that I have no problems with you wearing. How many understand? Say this out loud. Pastor Mitch has no problems with you wearing a mask, with me wearing a mask. He really doesn't care. He's just making a point. Is that point well made? And so for three years, we've been told you got to wear a mask. I've been into businesses. Now, you know, my nature is, you know, I follow Jesus and God and, and the Bible because they're right. But other than that, and, and then if I have overseers over me, I'll, I'll yes, sir, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. But if there's somebody, something somebody's asking me to do that's wrong and impractical, I'm a challenger. Because if I don't, that delusion creeps into my life. Do you see how this delusion stuff works now? Do you see how easy it's going to be for the Antichrist to say things, or that regime, the global system, to say things, give you things? Do you see how easy it's going to be to fall away from truth? So if somebody says, if you want to access your bank account, do the following. If you don't, you won't get it. You won't be touching your money, or you can't come in our business. You got to take, you got to, you got to have this tag, and then eventually that tag becomes, now we got to implant this because you might lose it. The Bible says that's going to happen in Revelation 13, Revelation 14. Did you hear me? You say, well, I'd never acquiesce to that. Did you never bark one time about this? <clears throat> oh, it's quiet. Listen to this. Does this make you think? Can I go one step further? Now, I've done the research. In fact, uh, June the 2nd, I think I'm right, June the 2nd, Wednesday night, 2021, when the vaccines came out. I did the research on vaccines myself from different sources, and then I put out articles and videos, and I published them on our website. I think you probably, y'all gonna have to, I think you can probably go back to 2021, that first Wednesday in June, and actually find that document because I had um, hyperlinks on it. Some of them may not be working now because they often take them down. Does that make sense? But uh, anyway, I did, the, uh, I did the research on the COVID-19 emergency use authorization. Did you know it's not a vaccine? Now, everybody calls it a vaccine. It's not. Did you know that people that take the emergency youth authorization are actually guinea pigs? That is, they don't know exactly what's going to happen. Susan was in research. She was a medical technologist for 40-something years. She's retired now, but, you know, she understands research and how that works and all the tests that have to, and that didn't happen, right? 
Now, now, see, I had a real alert about this. And my encouragement was, you need to seek God before you take that vaccination. Now I realize a lot of people in the room right now and people listening to me after this service have taken the vaccination. Maybe you've gotten one, maybe two, maybe three. And, you know, that's your business, not mine. Uh, I chose not to because I did the research. Now, and if you did, I'm good, and I'll believe God with you. Have you noticed people dropping dead worldwide? If you have, would you please raise your hand? Oh. You know, that's, that's on the news media now. It's all, you can't hide that. High-profile people are dropping dead. Have you noticed? Nobody, but nobody will publicly say, well, that's that vaccination. But I've done the research. Now there are research papers as to actually what the uh, vaccines contain. And different ones contain different things with different amounts. So it does different things to different people according to what lot it comes from. That's, and I don't want to get into all that. And then some people just get saline solution because that's what you do in research. Placebo it's called. So some people aren't affected at all. Others are affected deeply. And some people have all kinds of after effects. And what I've read, millions of people have had various levels of problems after the vaccination with various, with various physical issues. Have you heard that? Why isn't anybody talking about that until now? You know why they're talking about it now? Because you can't hide it anymore. My friends, see, that's delusion. Did you hear me? So that fits number two. Number two is a false belief that is resistant to confrontation with actual facts. Can I ask you a question? Why is censorship necessary on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, other social media outlets? Elon Musk pretty much took the censorship off of Twitter and everybody's upset with him calling him calling him the north end of the southbound animal. Why do you need censorship if you have freedom of speech? Why do you have to have censorship if you're telling the truth? The reason you have to have it is because you don't want the other side told and nobody will talk about it for fear that they'll get taken off the social media platforms. Me, I don't care. Did you hear that, Facebook? <laughs> Truth needs no help. Truth defends itself like a lion. Eventually, it always reveals itself. Now, all that I said there... If I ruffled your feathers, I don't even know if, I'm not sorry, I'm sorry if I bothered you, but it doesn't bother me that I bothered you. Because you might need to be bothered. Number three of delusion, the third point is a delusion is a belief that held with strong conviction despite superior evidence to the contrary. Yes or no? Now, you know what runs the world M-O-N-E-Y. If you can't spell, that's called money. And 1 Timothy 6 says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Now you have hospital systems, doctor's offices saying and doing things that are non-scientific. 
Can I ask a question? How can I trust you if you do non-scientific things? Huh? All in the name of, of money. See, all that's based on delusion. How many hear me? I didn't really mean to go that thick, but I think I need to. See, right now, deception and then delusion are at an all-time high. And now, maybe, I don't know, this strongly for the first time in a free culture like America, we're the last bastion of freedom worldwide, yes or no? If we lose our freedom of speech, if we lose our right to self-autonomy, uh, the, the whole world loses. You understand that, right? And that's the whole scheme behind all this is that Antichrist spirit wants to control the world. And until the American culture is broken down and refuse to comply and believe and stand for the Bill of Rights, which gives them individual freedoms. If, if we don't stand up, then we will fall for anything that comes. Now, the thing that created that is, number one, deception. Number two, delusion. So ask yourself a question. Have I acquiesced to deception and have I acquiesced to delusion? The way to answer that, to tell if you have or haven't, do you stand up and say vocally and publicly, howbeit kindly, what you believe? If you're held back and won't do it, why aren't you doing it? It could be because you want to keep your job. I get that. So is keeping my job worth acquiescing to the next phase of this, which will be the Antichrist coming up and fortune a digital whatever on your human body? That if you're going to, if you're going to do commerce, you've got to do that. Even though the Bible says don't do it, you're going to do it anyway and say, well, God's mercy will be on me. The Bible says nobody that takes it can get into heaven. Now, I have a whole lot to say about that, but I can't say it on Sunday morning. I don't have time. You say, well, I'm not going to be here during the Antichrist. I hope you're right, but I think you're wrong. Did you hear me? So we're living in a really strange time. The Antichrist is typified in... Everybody okay? See, I, boy, this is like the Baptist church I was raised in. This is great. The Antichrist will be a person, uh, a deceiver, par none. Just listen to Daniel 8.25. He will be a master of deception and will become arrogant. He will destroy many without warning. He will even take on the prince of princes in battle, but he will be broken, though not with human power. It means God will do it. He'll be a master of deception. You want to think about that a whole lot because that ideology is in the world right now. And we're, we're the frog in the proverbial kettle. We are. You get it? And the water is beginning to boil. And so we have to stand up for what is right. So am I willing? Here's, I'm gonna, I got all kinds of notes. I'm going to stop with that. Just uh, Am I willing? Ask yourself this question. Am I willing to stand up for what I believe when other people dislike it? I had three yeses up front here. The rest of you are looking at me like, I don't know. I mean, seriously, persecution's coming, y'all. And this is a minor part of it. I'm talking about real persecution for your faith's eventually coming. But see, this is what starts it. When people start believing things that aren't true, they're deceived. And then when people start doing things they know is true, but they do it because everybody else is doing it, and then if I don't do it, then somebody's going to lambast me, they're deluded. Yes or no? Wow. That's a whole lot to think about, isn't it? Uh, you say, Pastor, this is Sunday morning. You're supposed to be, I am building you up. 
I'm preparing you for your future. So let's come full circle. I got all my notes. Forget them. To navigate right now, you have to be willing to believe what God says in the face of opposition. And be willing to voice what you believe even if people disagree with you, don't like you, and stop having anything to do with you. They did it to Jesus. They'll do it to you. They did it to all the 12 disciples. They'll do it to you. Right? Hmm? Jesus said if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So for sucker lives, get the word inside. I'm telling you, it's amazing to me. See, this stuff, I can handle it. it don't, now, does it bother me? Oh, yeah, it, bother, it bothers me that I'm watching uh, a free nation lose its freedoms. And, and a lot of people saying we already lost them. Because I'll say what's not being said. The, the, the elections have become corrupted. Nobody's talking about it. Why are they talking? They, the judges won't admit it. <laughs> the Supreme Court won't admit it. How come? Uh, money under the table does a lot. Did you hear me? I just, uh, okay, you're the frog in the kettle. Wake up. Okay? From here on out, or am I willing to uh, love Jesus, love people, but be a person of the truth to the point that I don't care who you are, I'm going to speak truth Amen. kindly. Amen. Yes or no? Amen. Now, the juxtaposition to that, Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before swine. Huh? Sometimes I know the truth. I'm in many situations. I'm sitting there and somebody, and I say, you know, I need to, I need to talk to them about three things. But see, the other part of me, the Holy Spirit kicks in and says, now, if you do that, be aware. That's right. They're going to do one, two, three, and four. And that's not going to help them, and it's not going to help you. So shut your trap. In fact, Proverbs says, Speak not in the ears of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. So sometimes people are talking, and I just go, hmm. If you see me going... You take the next step and say, why <laughs> are you doing that? Is there something you need to say and you don't, know if, you don't know if you want to say it? I'm just waiting on the Holy Spirit to say, all right, say it. Did you get it? Did y'all get anything out of this? Get familiar with truth and you will not be, and be willing to stand by it with your life. Did you hear me? So let me tell you the decisions I've made because I see what's coming in the future. I have a lot to say about what's... You can go listen to a podcast talk about some of that. But uh, here's where I am with truth. I am willing to defend what I believe with my life. Are you? I'm willing to lose everything I have for truth. I'm willing to walk away from my house, the things I've worked hard to acquire, for truth. Are you? I'm willing to do what's right regardless of what it costs me. Where we are now in America is where Germany was in the 1930s. You said it this morning, prior to Adolf Hitler coming to power. 
Did you know that most, go read this, they even have movies about it. Did you know that most churches and pastors agreed with Adolf Hitler? And the one pastor that stood up got his head cut off, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, 1945. He was 45 years old. Do you hear where we are? If you don't stand for truth, if I don't stand for truth, I'll fall for anything. Now, if I let money dictate what I defend, how do I describe that? I'll be kind. If I let money decide what I do, I have a less than stellar character. Huh? If you can be bought in these days, the devil will buy you. So are you willing to lose your job? Fast forward a long ways, you're willing to lose your life. I made the choice, yes. Because heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will not pass away. Is that good? Stand up. Y'all get something out of this?